Now, based by your laughter, you're all guilty of thinking or doing something like that at one time, either in our church lobby or somewhere else. Amen? And guess who was the pastor who brought hand sanitizers to the lobby? You're looking at him. So if you feel guilty, don't feel bad because I totally understand. Because you're looking at one of the most paranoid person around cold and flu season. And you can ask my wife, you can ask my family. When we get invited out, I'm not going to mention any names today, but when we get invited out to families' homes and you get there, you're excited to hang out, and the first kid comes around the corner and there's just snot hanging all down his face. And he says, hi, Pastor Calvin. And he wants to give you a big handshake and he's like, whoa, okay. There's, there's sickness in this home. Then as the night goes on, you have a good meal. You know, you hear the wife say, I'm so glad that Billy got better. His stomach was upset all day yesterday. I'm so glad he's better that you can be with us tonight. That just sends f alarm bells in my head going off like this. And my kids will know if you ask them, when they get in the van, the first thing they hear is, don't touch anything until mom passes the Purell around to everybody. Right? We're paranoid. We're afraid. And we don't want to get sick. And you know what? Tim is right. I don't know. How many of you have had any uncomfortable moments in the lobby around the hand sanitizers and welcoming people? Well, I can tell you two. Keith, good. I can tell you two that happened to me within the last month. Because it's weird, right? You'll see someone coming in and they see you doing this. So in their mind they're thinking, well, maybe he doesn't want me to shake his hand because he just cleaned his hand. And I've just cleaned my hand. And I'm looking at you and I'm going... I don't know if I want to shake your hand because I don't know if you're sick. And there's these awkward moments. And that happened to me a couple weeks ago. I, I was coming in late to service and I lathered up. And a good gentleman who I know, friendly, warm fellow, came in the, in the entrance over there and he walked right across. The stuff hadn't even absorbed into my hands yet. It was still like dripping. And he came with his hand extended and I just went for it. I just shook his hand and I lathered him up as well. And I said, it's good. <laughs> Good to have you here. This, I just took an awkward situation and said, we're just going to bless this guy with hand sanitizer. And I got him all cleaned up. And then at the 11 o'clock service, I know what it feels like to be a deer caught in the headlights of a car. Because again, I was coming in late and I was standing in this position. Waiting for the hand sanitizer because they're an automatic machine, right? So we're waiting for it to come out. But at the same time, I'm looking just in case there's anyone new visiting the church. I want to make sure and make them feel welcome. Well, this gentleman walks in the door. I'm waiting. And I'm like this. And I'm like, okay, he's just going to go straight in. And all of a sudden, he stops, and he looks right at me. And it's only him and I in the lobby. I'm like this. He's looking at me. And if you could draw a cartoon, I'm sure he said, hi, I'm new here. And all I could say to him is, welcome. I hope you have a great morning this morning. And it was so awkward. And I was like, the silly hand sanitizer thing at certain times just puts us in uncomfortable situations where our words and our actions just don't match up. They send mixed messages. And this morning what made me think about this was at a deeper level, I believe if we're not careful, the same thing can happen with how we think about and interact with spiritually sick people. The same way we welcome people, yet have the hand sanitizer ready because we're afraid and we want to prevent sickness, sometimes I'm afraid we do the same thing with our words and our actions and how we think about and interact with spiritually sick people. And for our, for our purposes this morning, when I say spiritually sick person, this is a person who does not know and follow Jesus Christ. These are people who have not yet come to the place in their lives where they recognize that they are sinners in need of forgiveness. 
They live according to their flesh, the Bible says, not according to the Spirit. They live according to their will and their way, not God's will and His way. But before we get too far, let's just make sure that we remind each other this morning that before God graciously intervened into our lives and opened up our eyes to see who we really are, we were all spiritually sick. All spiritually sick, separated from God because of our sin. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, the Bible says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, folks, this morning I feel too often our actions don't match our good intentions to reach out and to help those who are spiritually sick. With the good news that Jesus loves them and wants to transform their life through his power, and so I'm afraid that if we don't reach out and if we don't stop avoiding the sick, we will not fulfill Christ's mission, which is our church's mission. What do we do here at Calvary Baptist Church? At Calvary Baptist Church, we do what God asks us to do, to make disciples. Make disciples. Make followers of Jesus Christ. He will save them. That's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is then to baptize them and to teach them to obey everything that he has commanded. Followers of Jesus Christ who don't just worship on Sunday, but live a lifestyle of worship. Followers of Jesus Christ who are not just connected to God, but are growing in community with one another, spurring one another on, helping each other to become mature as followers of Jesus Christ. And the third component, which we're going to spend some time looking at this morning, disciples who will reach out, who will look for people who will benefit from our relationship with Jesus Christ. And in order to do that, folks, we must stop avoiding the sick people, spiritually sick people. What we have experienced by God's grace and what we enjoy when we gather together each Sunday must go out from this building. It has to go out from this building. Right before I went on sabbatical at the beginning of summer, which I just so want to say thank you to the church family for blessing us pastors with that opportunity to go away and to be refreshed and to be renewed and to get a clearer vision of what it is we are called to do here at Calvary Baptist Church. A good friend of mine recommended I read through the Gospels just to see how Jesus interacted and how he lived among people while he was on earth. And there was two things that stuck out in my mind. That sounded Scottish. It wasn't meant to sound like that. That stuck out in my mind, okay? And there was two things that grabbed my attention. I was reading it, and it was just like, boom, boom. And I want to share those observations with you this morning. The first one is a character quality that I saw in Jesus, our Lord and Savior, while he was on earth. And that was this, that he was compassionate. He was compassionate. The second one is a statement that he made, which we're going to look at later in the uh, sermon. A statement that he made regarding our topic for today, the spiritually sick. So I trust as we look at both of these this morning, they will help influence how you, they will help influence how I view and live among spiritually sick people in our circles of influence, in our community, and beyond. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity this morning we've had to come to worship you. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our worship. Thank you that you paid our debt. Oh God, I pray that you would help us this morning to hear your word and to put it into practice as we seek to understand how do we reach out and share 
with the world, this wonderful experience of salvation that we have received from you. Would you help us this morning to hear your word, help me to deliver it clearly, and I pray that your Holy Spirit will prompt our hearts to put it into practice. Even this week, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. The first thing I want us to notice this morning is that Jesus had compassion for people. He had compassion for people, and this is noted throughout the Gospels. Three quick examples that I found as I was studying. First one is Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 and 37. The Bible says that we read about Jesus traveling and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God has come in all the towns and in all the villages. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Folks, we have just come through one of the busiest seasons of the year where we have walked through lots of crowds. Did any of us have compassion on the people in those crowds? You see, he recognized that the crowds he was looking at were spiritually deprived. He had compassion on them because he said they look like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus had compassion when he looked at people. In Matthew 14, 14 and Mark 6, 34, we find the story where Jesus and his disciples helped feed 5,000 people. And the scripture tells us that when Jesus landed, he saw the crowds and he had compassion on them. And he healed their sick. What's interesting about this incident, if you remember, Jesus had just taken some time alone to be out in a boat because he was grieving the news that he had heard John the Baptist had been murdered. And so you got to understand this. Jesus had every right to have time alone, to grieve, to deal with his emotions, to just say, I just want to shut out the crowd. I just need some time alone to be quiet. And yet the scripture says that in that state of mind and in that state of his spirit, when he landed on the shore and he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. The final one in Matthew 20, 34, we read about the story of two blind men sitting along the roadside. And as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, the scripture says that Jesus stopped and he had compassion on these two blind men. He had compassion on them and he touched their eyes and immediately, the Bible says, they received their sight and they followed him. You see, what I noticed this summer when I was studying the life of Christ, that in all these different scenarios, we see that Jesus... Our Savior was moved with compassion for the physical and spiritual needs of the sick. And as followers of Jesus Christ, individuals who are here this morning by God's grace, we have been made alive spiritually in Christ. In Colossians 3, 7, we are exhorted to clothe ourselves with compassion. To clothe ourselves with compassion. I encourage you this week as you head out, as you go back into the regular routine of life before we celebrate New Year's, I pray that you will begin to think about the character of Jesus Christ that he displayed so well. When he saw people, he had compassion on them. And now we're exhorted to clothe ourselves as his followers with compassion. You see, Jesus reflected the character of his father so well. God the Father called the father of all compassion. So we as disciples of Jesus Christ should also reflect his character and his compassion. You see, I'm convinced that before we can be effective in reaching the sick, the spiritually sick people in our community, we need to ask God to create in us a Christ-like compassion for people. 
I'll be honest with you, I notice people. I see them a lot. But this just stood out for me when I was reading the life of Christ. He had compassion for people. Will you turn with me to Mark chapter 2? And we're going to look at a very short portion of scripture. I love those Lowry boys. They never hide what they're thinking. And in the baptismal tank when I was getting changed, he said, Pastor, is there youth for us this morning? I said, no, buddy, you're sitting through the whole service. He says, oh. I said, don't worry, I'm preaching. I'll keep it short. He said, yes. So, you know, so I picked a short passage this morning. Mark chapter 2. And here we're going to read the account of when Jesus reached out to a spiritually sick man named Levi, more commonly known to us as Matthew, and invited him to be his disciple to be his follower. Let's read Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. When Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, and this is the statement I referred to earlier. This is what impacted me. And asked me to consider how am I spending my time on earth. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This morning I want us to just look at four very practical, quick principles that I believe we are going to need to put into practice if we have the desire to reach the spiritually sick in our community. The first one I want you to notice is that Jesus saw individuals. Jesus noticed and took time for individual people. And there's four things I want you to note under this. First of all, Jesus saw individuals in the midst of his coming and his going. It says in verse 13, once again, this was something Jesus had done regularly. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. And look at these words. As he walked along, he saw Levi. As he was going about his regular routine, his regular schedule, he saw Levi. Each of us come and go during the week, during each day of the week. We have our daily routines. And during the process of coming and going, we come in contact with lots of different people. Lots of different people from different nationalities, from different countries, from different walks of life from different economic levels within our society. We come in contact with so many people in our coming and going during the week. But more often than not, we do not slow down and actually notice them as individuals, created in the image of God and valuable to him. Jesus did. Jesus saw people as he was coming and going along his regular routine. Secondly, I want you to notice, Jesus saw individuals in spite of being in the buzz of a large crowd. Jesus saw individuals in spite of being in the buzz of a large crowd. You see, his fame and his popularity were spreading like wildfire. Wherever you went, you were reading the Gospels. Large crowds followed him. In fact, they would go ahead if they heard he was coming to this town. They would go ahead and wait for him to arrive there. 
People had been hearing about all the great things, the miracles that he was performing for people, and they wanted to witness it for themselves and perhaps even consider, could this man do something for me? Could he perhaps meet my needs? And it is in this exciting, fast-paced atmosphere with lots of people that Jesus saw one individual. You see, folks, we must never forget that crowds are made up of individuals. We are a crowd here this morning, but we are a crowd of individuals. And as we look back on 2015, as Pastor Nick was praying, God has been so good to us here at Calvary Baptist Church this past year. His work among us has been awesome to see. He has helped us to grow and mature as disciples of him, as followers of him. He has entrusted new disciples to our care to teach them to obey everything he has commanded. But in the midst of all that he is doing here at Calvary Baptist Church and the buzz of the crowd, I know he does not want us to lose sight of individuals. He does not want us to lose sight of individuals not only outside the church, but also inside the church. I am convinced that if we are not willing to put this principle into our lives within the family of God, I guarantee you we're not going to do it outside the family of God. And so I would encourage you every time you step into this building, look for people. Notice people. Notice individuals. And make an effort to connect with them. Because if we're not willing to do it within the family of God, there's no way we are going to do it outside the family of God. This is our training room. This is where we come to worship and to learn and to sharpen our skills. So folks, I ask you, I ask you when you come into this church, this building, look for people in your coming and in your going. It is a blessing to be a part of his family and to be part of this local representation of his body. But let's not allow the buzz of the crowd to distract us from reaching individuals and particularly the spiritually sick. Final here, he noticed people in their setting, in their setting, going about their activities. The Bible says he saw Levi in the tax, in the tax collector's booth. You see, Levi was just going about his daily chores, his daily duties. He was in his booth, which would have been located at an intersection where lots of different trading routes met. And there he collected taxes, tolls, and tariffs. These were usage taxes that were charged to people based on their use and consumption of that road or, or that route. Each day you and I come across people in their normal setting, whether that be in the office, whether that be at the grocery store, whether that be at the gas station, whether that be in the coffee shop, whether that be in the gym, you name it. Think about where you go in your day. Do you notice people in their setting going about their activity. I'm afraid that too often we pray and wait for people, strangers, to show up at church. Then we greet them. Then we ask them, how's your day going? Jesus wants us in the normal settings and moments of our daily lives to notice people there. Folks, let's not be a church that waits for the spiritually sick to come into the church building. Let's notice them in our coming and going, in their setting, going about their regular activities. Jesus saw and noticed Levi in spite of his position and his reputation. 
You see, because Levi was a Jewish tax collector working for the oppressive Roman authority, he was hated by his own people. In fact, he was considered an outcast. Because tax collectors like Levi would often abuse the right they had to add a surcharge to the taxes that they were required to collect. And so they would add this surcharge on top of the taxes, which would be a burden to the people, and that was to help cover the tax collector's services. And so these tax collectors like Levi would become rich at the expense of their own people. They were known as traitors. They were dishonest. They were not liked. As one writer put, Levi was hardly a choice candidate to be invited to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But Jesus saw him. Jesus saw him for who he was. Jesus saw him in spite of his sinful ways. All of us had a sinful reputation that did not deserve being noticed by God. But because God is rich in mercy and rich in grace, he noticed you and he noticed me. We are so blessed that God noticed us in spite of our sinful ways. He noticed us. First thing, God saw individuals. Second thing, Jesus spoke to individuals. He took it to the next step. Motivated by compassion, Jesus saw Levi and recognized his spiritual need and moved to address it. How? It's really complicated. By initiating a conversation. That's it. Jesus saw him, recognized his spiritual need, had compassion for him, and he was moved to address what he saw by initiating a conversation. He took time to speak to Levi. You see, too often we are guilty of talking about people. We're too guilty of talking about people. A quote I read this week, some make a career out of itemizing the world's ill. I've been guilty. I notice people, I see people, and then I talk about those people. I believe God wants us to hear from his heart this morning that we need to move from speaking about people to speaking with people. And what did Jesus say to him? He simply said, follow me. Follow me. It was an invitation by Jesus to an outcast, by someone despised in that community to become one of his followers. It was a call to discipleship, an invitation to belong, an invitation to be included, an invitation to be accepted by someone in spite of what he had done and what others said about him. That is grace. That's undeserved favor. Undeserved favor. It reminds me of the start of that famous hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Do you notice Matthew's response? The Bible says Levi got up and followed him. There was no delay. Once Jesus initiated that in conversation with him and gave him the invitation to follow him, the Bible says he got up and he followed him. Now, no doubt, Matthew had obviously been aware of the stories he had heard about Jesus and the things that he was doing in that area. And I'm sure he was excited at the opportunity to have a conversation with this man named Jesus and to be invited to follow him. But deeper than that, I agree with some scholars who point to the fact that his immediate response reflected that God was already working in Levi's life, convicting him of sin and his need for forgiveness. 
as we begin to have conversations with people in our community, the spiritually sick, let's remember what God's role is. It's God's role to convict of sin and the need of forgiveness. Our role is to simply initiate the conversation and pray that God will open the door as we develop a relationship with that person to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Because we know that faith comes by hearing the message and the message through the word about Jesus Christ. It's important that we initiate conversations so that we can, by God's grace, have the opportunity to share the gospel with these people. We must follow Christ's example and speak to people. We must follow his example and speak to people during the normal routines of our life. Over this past year, I've decided that running probably is too hard on my knees now. And so I've taken up walking. I've followed Pastor Ken's example. And so I've taken up walking to try and stay in shape. And uh, on, as I'm coming down Simcoe and I turn left on Glovers, there's a little cul-de-sac there, and I've started to include that in my walk. And uh, after my nephew's comment last night, I think I'm going to have to find another cul-de-sac to include. Because one of my nephews who's visiting from Liberia, as I was praying for him last night, he says, he says Uncle Calvin, how come you're the youngest but yet you have the most hair falling out, and you look old. And now there's, there's a word of encouragement. I prayed a blessing on that boy, let me tell you. But, you know, so I might have to add another loop in my walk. But I've started to walk. And there's this one garage that I go by every time, and sitting in there is either one or two old guys. It's just your traditional picture poster. You know, and there's these two guys sitting in lawn chairs. If it's really cold, they're in snowsuits. If it's really warm, they're in shorts. But every time I go by, they're sitting there, and they're having their cigarette, having their, their beer, and that's where they spend their life is in this guy's garage. And I walked by for months and just walked by, and they would sit there and watch me walk by, and I would go by. And then finally I thought, that's terrible. Here's two guys and another human being. It's three human beings meeting in the course of a day, and none of us say anything to each other. That's ridiculous. So I, I walked by one day and I said, good morning. And they said, good morning. Let it go by. Walked by a couple days. Good morning. How you doing? Doing fine. You know, and I started to have conversations. The crazy thing is I don't even know the guy's name, but he has told me everything he does. He invited me into his backyard because he was having all this landscaping done. Found out that he's a contractor who renovates houses. He doesn't even know my name and he's invited me in his backyard to show me what he does. That's God. That's God. I don't know what God's going to do in this guy's life, but he is on my walking path every day, and I'm just continuing to have a conversation with him. And I am not stressed out about having to save him because that's God's role. My role is to initiate a conversation, and I know at some time, God will give the appointed time when I'm going to be able to share the gospel with that old fella and his buddy in the garage and pray that God will save them. But we must speak to people. In Acts chapter 18, verse 10, we read about how the Lord was encouraging the Apostle Paul while he was trying to reach the spiritually sick in Corinth. Listen to what he said to Paul. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. You see, folks, there's people that God already knows he is going to save in Oshawa. 
and he's already working on their hearts. And he, by his grace and through his mercy, he is already helping them to see who they really are. And all of a sudden, it's going to take someone who's going to come along in a conversation and begin to share the gospel. And the light bulb is just going to go off and then go, that's exactly who I am. You want an adventure in life? Start talking to people and see who God's planning to save in the city of Oshawa. It's unbelievable. He told Paul, I already have people, many people in this city. We need to start speaking to people and discover who are the hearts of the spiritually sick that God wants to heal and make well. He not only saw people, he not only spoke with people, but he sat with individuals. Do you see the progression? He noticed them. He initiated conversation. And then Jesus took the time to hang out and enjoy a meal with his new disciple in his space and with his circle of friends. When Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. Jesus took the time to hang out and to enjoy a meal with his new disciple. Folks, we went through this study as a church, but when God saves someone, they're a newborn babe in Christ. And then we can't just abandon people once he has saved them. We need to link arms with them and together with the help of the Holy Spirit, teaching one another how to obey his commands, move from infancy into child, into spiritual young adults, and into spiritual parents who are now going out and producing disciples. You have to give people time. You can't be in such a rush or we will not disciple those who are new in the family well. And notice who Levi's circle of friends were, to other tax collectors and sinners. You know, it's, it's a no-brainer. Once you meet a spiritually sick person, guess what? He's going to introduce you to his circle of friends. It's awesome. It's awesome. But we see that it did not take long for the religious leaders of the day to question his decision to associate with such a rough crowd. Look what the Pharisees said to his disciples. Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners. You know, their question reflects just how spiritually sick they were. Even though they looked religious, even though they looked the part, they were, they were so far from the heart of the gospel that Jesus was teaching and preaching. What did Jesus call the Pharisees? He said, you're whitewashed tombs. On the outside, you look great, but on the inside, dead bones. He said, with your mouths, you honor me, but your heart is far from me. When I read that, I admit I had to confess my sins, because I'm sure if you're honest, all of us at some time have questioned, why would someone have them over? Why would they be hanging out with them? Even as God brings people into the church building, and we notice people who come as they are, spiritually sick. Oh, I wonder who that is. They mustn't be churched because they don't look anything like us. May God keep us humble. May God help us to recognize that people are created in his image and he loves them. And he desires to know them. You see, if you study the life of Christ, you'll quickly see that Jesus never hung out with sinners just to have a good time. And that's not what I'm telling us to do, okay? He never hung out with sinners just to have a good time. His goal in connecting with them was to ultimately bring spiritual healing and transformation 
to their lives. He did more than simply preach repentance to spiritually sick people. He befriended them. How many spiritually sick people are your friends? If you don't have many, it's time that you stop avoiding sick people and follow Christ's example. Because you see, Jesus knew well before all these books were written about discipleship. Jesus knew that discipleship happens best in the context of relationship. And that's why we are so convinced and challenging every single person who calls Calvary Baptist Church the home church. You need to be in a discipling community because we are to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And we're to spur one another on to following Christ's example in how to reach spiritually sick people. Discipleship happens best in the context of relationship. So from this passage this morning, we notice that Jesus exuded compassion. He saw people. He spoke with people. He sat with people. Why was he so committed to this? Final point, because he knew he was sent. Jesus knew he was sent. He understood his mission. That his mission was to seek and save the lost. Look at how he answered the Pharisees' question. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, here's why I'm here. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He did not come to call people who think they are righteous, but rather sinners like you and I, who by his grace had our eyes open and we realized we need help. We need forgiveness. John 3, 17. God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world. See, Jesus understood his mission. He knew why he was sent. My question to you this morning is, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, do you know why you're saved? Do you know why you're saved? It's more than simply having the awesome hope and privilege to know that we are not going to face God's wrath. And be separated from him forever. It is that. But this passage taught me that it's more than that. He has saved us to send us into our broken community to see people, to speak to people, and to sit with people who are spiritually sick. God invites us to follow him, to join him on his mission. He told his first disciples in Mark chapter 117, Come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. It wasn't come follow me, stay real tight and never go out. No, he called them to follow him so he could teach them and then send them out to fish for people. In the book of John chapter 17, while praying for his disciples, Jesus said to the Father, as you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Brothers and sisters, we have been saved to be sent to reach the spiritually sick people of our community. We cannot keep avoiding them. The only question that remains is, will you commit, as Matthew did that day, to follow Jesus, his will, and his way? Before we close, I just want to invite anyone here today who you might say, I'm just visiting here. I, in fact, I don't even know God and I don't necessarily even believe in Jesus. But the Holy Spirit has maybe helped you through his word to understand that 
All of us are born with a sinful nature, separated from God. I hope you hear loud and clear as you leave this building and you go and continue good time together as a family. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, I want you to know Jesus loves you. He loves you. And he longs to know you in a personal way. And he longs to accept you and to include you in his wonderful family in spite of who you are and in spite of your sinful ways. God notices you and he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you so that you will no longer be an outcast with no hope for the future and eternity separated from God. If you're here today and you are spiritually sick, I'm here to tell you Jesus has sent the answer to your condition. It's Jesus. God sent his son, not to condemn you, but to love you. And today he is inviting you, as he did Levi that day, come, follow me. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. And if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, I pray that you will celebrate when God noticed you. And I pray that you will celebrate when he convicted you of your sin, and you will celebrate when he sent someone to share the gospel so you could hear the message of Jesus Christ. And you will celebrate that he gave you the gift of faith to believe in his son, Jesus Christ, because you have been saved to be sent to reach spiritually sick people. I remember when, I, when God noticed me. It was in grade 7. And it was at this time of year. And all the missionaries would gather together. I knew I was spiritually sick. My oldest brother, who's here today, wrote a letter to my dad and said, watch out for Calvin. He's either going to go good or completely bad. And I knew it. I was a pastor kid, but I didn't want anyone at school to know that my parents were pastors or that I was a Christian. And I was living this double life. I was spiritually sick. And when you're living the double life, you don't fit in anywhere. And I remember by God's grace, he noticed me. At that missionary retreat, right around this time of year, I don't even know who the preacher was. But as he was speaking, no one came to me to condemn me. No one came and told me all the wrong things I was doing. Half of my family didn't even know. God was convicting me of my sin. And that man that day fulfilled his role, which was simply to share the gospel and invite people to follow Jesus Christ. And I remember going forward, kneeling at that altar, weeping as I am today. Because folks, if you, if you don't understand the reality that your debt has been paid, and if that doesn't impact you, I don't know. But I remember sitting at that altar, weeping, and I believe that's the day. And by God's grace, he noticed me. And I chose to turn from my wicked ways and follow him. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. But I am saved. And I have a purpose. And that's to see other people. To speak with other people. And to sit with other people. And so I pray this morning that if you have been saved by God's grace, you will follow his example. And that we will reach out so that others can experience what we have experienced. I asked Jordan to 
uh, close the service with a song today. And I pray that this will be an anthem of your commitment to follow Jesus, doing what he's asked us to do, fulfilling his will and his way. Let's pray as the team comes up. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the record of your time on earth that we can look to as an example to follow. I thank you so much that you notice people. Even while we were yet sinners, you sent your son to die for us. Thank you, God, that you notice us, not as a crowd, but as individuals. Thank you that you have spoken to us. Thank you that you have chosen to hang with us, the indwelling of your spirit. Thank you that you knew your mission, Jesus, and why you were sent. Help us, I pray, to commit ourselves to living our life in 2016 according to your will and your way because we are so blessed. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I think it's only appropriate that at the end of a year, if you are thankful that God noticed you as an individual, convicted you of your sin, sent someone to speak to you, to sit with you, and God, by his grace and mercy, reached in your life and saved you. If you are thankful for that today, I think there's no better way that we end off the year than showing our appreciation to God that he noticed us in spite of who we are and in spite of our sins. Can we thank him this morning? Apart from him, there is no life. Levi was a true disciple. He denied himself, picked up his cross, and followed Jesus. So you know what's interesting is, unlike the other early disciples, they could have returned to fishing if this following Jesus thing didn't work out. As a tax collector who left your post, you are never allowed to return to that position of employment. That's denying yourself, picking up your cross, and following him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled, to him, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal to the spiritually sick people of Durham region through us. As co-workers, may I urge us not to receive God's grace in vain. Let's go out and notice people, speak with people, hang with people, because we have been saved to be sent. Father, thank you for the opportunity this morning to worship you and to gather with your family. Lord, I pray if anyone is here today and they are experiencing life without you and long for what they see in the lives of those around them, I pray that they will come forward, speak with one of the pastors after the service. And God, for those of us who have been saved by your grace, oh, 
may we follow the example of your son, Jesus. We commit this coming year into your hands, and I pray that we will fulfill your mission. Thank you that you are with us, equipping us. I thank you for those already in the city of Oshawa who you know belong to you, and you're just waiting for a worker to go and start a conversation with them. Oh God, I just pray that we will see a great harvest of spiritually sick people getting well in you in 2016. And if you entrust people to us, God, I pray that we will be responsible to disciple them well. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. God bless you.